Are you sitting in a space where you are struggling with anxiety? Do you feel like a prisoner to the cycles of depression? Do you feel stuck in your own life and feel frustrated and lost, but yet you know there is so much more on the other side of this mental breakdown? I want to hold your hand through this therapeutic life healing journey. I will help you navigate emotional healing, spiritual growth, and taking massive action so you can align your mind, body, and spirit to completely transforming your life. You are worthy of the life of your dreams, of stepping into your power and experiencing your breakdown as your breakthrough. Hey, I'm Adi. I'm your therapist, your coach, your mentor. Join me as we heal your life together. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited to introduce one of my dearest friends. She's family to me. I can't. I can't. I'm just so excited. <laughs> uh, my my dearest friend, Monique Dozier, to the episode. She is a mom of two beautiful little girls. She is a wife. She is a friend. She is an amazing daughter. She is just like all the things, y'all. And on top of all the amazing things that she is, she's also a licensed clinical social worker, a hospital social worker, medical social worker and a psychotherapist i mean she just does it all i don't know how you keep up and now you're going vegan on us <laughs> as if you weren't perfect enough you gotta oh, just drop stop. that in i see more more no i'm kidding <laughs> um, I, I am trying my best to go vegan <laughs> i'm as just so excited you're here know that that transition boy is a tough one but I am. I'm really trying to clean up my diet. I feel good. I feel good. I feel great. So thank you, friend. I cannot believe we're doing this. We are so doing this. So little backstory, a little fun episode on how this all kind of this episode came to be. Monique is actually the friend that I've been talking about when I went to Oprah. If you've tuned into episode number nine um, about Oprah's takeaways, we had gone to now what feels like forever ago in January of 2020 to see Oprah during her life and focus tour and it's a it's a funny story of how that came to be I actually really like the way you tell it most so maybe <laughs> you'll sh- you'll share that but what I want you all to know this episode is you I want you to tune in it's going to be so special we're really going to be talking about how Mo- Monique has been able to really become an expert on herself and I think for women that we can all resonate at some point in our life and maybe that's you today that it's the struggle to understand maybe who you are an identity shift maybe all the lived experiences that you've had and different challenges and pain points in your life and how to make sense of it and and then how you who you are because of all of those experiences so Monique has done such a beautiful job with all the experiences that she's had in her life and really came to a place where she is now feeling in her, in her life confident as an expert on herself. And it's so important to have a role model like that to look and listen to and, and not feel alone in that journey because she has gone through so many different lived experiences that I think many of you will resonate with. We're going to be talking about the journey to motherhood loss and grief, different lived experiences that we've had, but specifically really talking about women of color and navigating the health system. 
So without further ado, I would love, Mo, we share a little bit about how Minnesota in January came to be, and then we'll dive into... (laughs) What were we thinking? (laughs) Snow, cold. (laughs) Oh my goodness. First and foremost, I love you. I'm so proud of you. I'm so just amazed at this space that you have created for women. It is, like I said before, a sanctuary. And for everyone listening, please know that the woman that you're listening to, is this is genuinely Adit. She is just one of the most special people that I have ever met. So Adit and I went to grad school together, and I feel like we were always had a very strong connection, right? And I feel like on a very deep, like personal and spiritual level. But I wouldn't say that we were friends that like chatted every day. No. Ever, right? Yeah. And so we had our internship. It was our internship. We had this. That's right. That's right. That's right. Veterans affairs. And we like had some very special moments together. But even after grad school, there would be, I mean, years, right? Like where we would we would see each other online and like very informally chit chat, but not have these like you know, trips together, any like crazy, like day-to-day experiences. But every time we talked to each other, it just was like instant back into like this very like connected place. And so we had moments like that. And then I feel like going to your wedding really sparked things too, like seeing each other and having that, that moment together too was just like beautiful. But then recently, what, about a year, less than a year ago, got a text message from you. And it was just like, hey, do you want to go see Oprah? (laughs) 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 And I I want people to, people don't know me on your podcast. So Uh I thrive in consistency. I stay in places way too long just because it's comfortable and so when people like throw random things out at me, I'm like, no, my first, <laughs> my first answer is always no to like protect myself because I can, I'm the kind of person that can like spiral very fast. And so, but I feel like that's been our connection, right? We would like call each other randomly or text yeah. each other randomly and just spew out like the most amazing or devastating moments. And we're like, okay, now we, you know, had an hour or two conversation to feel great. And I remember getting that text message and standing in my kitchen and going through a very tough time in my life, especially physically and medically, which we'll probably chat about throughout this podcast. And I am very connected to Oprah and her teachings and and her journey. And I remember just looking at that text and washing dishes and just saying, yeah. And I remember you called me. You're like, what? <laughs> I was not expecting a yeah, because I was like, I know this sounds crazy. I know this sounds crazy. But I'm, God was telling me, just send the text, send the text. All I kept seeing was your face when I was envisioning yeah. like going to Oprah, because I was like, I'm going to Minnesota. It's on 111, you know all the energy around 111 yeah. and then I wanted the spiritual experience and God just kept showing me your face and I'm like I should maybe she's not gonna think I'm crazy because we just kind of have this yeah. random like every now and then check in and yeah 
And even when it was like Oprah in Minnesota, I mean, I have two kids, right? Like for me to, to like say yes and like randomly get up and, and plan this trip is never something that I would never, ever, ever. I'm like the biggest planner. And so for me just to say yes, just made me know like, okay, I'm supposed to do this. Like this is of God. And shortly after my husband walked in the door and I was like, Hey, um, I think think I'm going to go to Minnesota (laughs) to go see Oprah with the D. And I remember he looked at me, he was like, all right. It was seamless. It was no conflict, nothing. Days later, he walked in with like two books, two of Oprah's books um, and like cash for me to go on this trip. Everything just came together. And, but I still remember still feeling like a tint, like a hint of hesitancy and just like, really, am I really going to do this? And I remember you sending me the links to like, buy your ticket, buy your ticket. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. (laughs) I know I'm going to do it, but I just not yet. And then in the middle of the night, I just was like, I'm just going to buy this ticket. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I buy the ticket. I screenshot the purchase of the ticket. And I remember sending it to you. And you woke up the next morning. You were like, oh, my God. (laughs) I was like, this just this. You can't make this stuff up. The best part was the timestamp. So the timestamp was one eleven. And you had not not planned none of that. And I was like, uh, Monique, one eleven on one eleven. Like, I just don't know how much more God can be like intervening in this process. And after that, (laughs) he did. Please. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Seriously. (laughs) That trip was. I don't even know how I could talk about that trip without even getting emotional. That trip was maybe one of the most life changing moments in my adult life. You know, there's, there's certain moments that stick out in my life, you know, like having children or the, the challenges of having kids, get, being in the hospital several times. There's certain moments where I'm like, I, that transformed me. This trip was one of those moments, without a doubt, mm-hmm. without a doubt. From the moment the plan landed, it just, it was like green light go, for sure. And so it was the most beautiful experience. It was really one of the most beautiful experiences spiritually that I've had with a friend um, over a course of what, two or three days that we were together. We cried a lot. We laughed a lot, a ton. (laughs) We challenged each other um, in love. And I feel like we both just grew so much. And I felt like so much freedom and peace to truly be myself like Mm. without hesitation like I remember the moment Oprah walked out and completely bursting into tears like for some reason that was so cathartic for me to like have those doors open and see her walk out and it wasn't even about her it was about the moment and the experience and realizing like oh my goodness we're here we're doing this. And, you know, you, sometimes you have those moments where you're like, oh no, what is this person that's with me thinking about, you know? And I never thought that. It was like present in that space. I remember holding your hand yeah. and like almost throughout that whole conference, like <laughs> literally, <laughs> it just was magic. 
it was magic. We set so many goals during that time and they're coming to fruition or some of them have already come. And so it's, I just encourage people to listen to the signs. Like I always say, listen to God's whispers. Mm -hmm. That's like one of the phrases I use like on a daily basis, but in order to hear them, you must be quiet. And so please like find time daily to be still so you can hear what God is trying to tell you or your greater power or whatever you, you know, subscribe to. I just say, find time to where you can hear those messages and then act on them Mm. and act on them. So, but yes, we have, we've had a beautiful journey. We've had an amazing journey. I'm so honored that you're here. I'm so excited to really get to like have folks hear everything that you've really kind of just experienced and done to get to that place of like knowing yourself because you're right. Like that time together in January was so transformative. I've completely like this podcast was, and I remember (laughs) I was telling you, I was like, I'm going to start a podcast. Yes. And, and you were, you were exactly the friend I needed in that, Mm. in that trip to Mm. encourage and pour into my cup so that Mm. I can then come back into the world and do the things I'm doing now. Yeah. Yeah. And vice versa. Like, yeah. I, I think when, like what you said was so perfect and beautiful, like li- really like listening to that. Yes. And you might be scared, right? Like there's a moment yeah. of like, uh, am right. I doing this? Am I, am, am I sure I'm doing this? There's <laughs> right. a calm and a peace that comes with it. There's a knowing it's like, it's not anxiety driven. It's not fear driven. It's uncomfortable. It's different. It's scary, sure. but there's a, a sense of like, I, I know I'm supposed to go yeah. and you hear that and then you show up and then boom, like those are when yeah. your life begins to transform and you're co-creating your life with your creator, with your, your spiritual being, with yourself, with, you know, whoever, you know, you and I identify and as Christians and we are co-creating our lives with God, but like yeah. whoever that is, whatever that is with you. Like, I also have my angels, my guys, like my dad and my sister, I'm always mm-hmm. calling on them. I'm like, dad, what do you think? I mean, they show up. And they showed up at Oprah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't, I don't know. We want to delve into that. <laughs> and all the ways yes. they show up yes. more than what we even think can happen. And it's just yeah. when you say yes, and you show up to your yes, you come to this place where now you have this inner knowing of yourself and, and then no one, nothing can steer you out of that. It might shake you right. up a little bit, but Monique, it's right. been a, it's been a fucking year and it's been a hell of a year. <laughs> I, I have the explicit thing on this podcast, so I, we can cuss, but it's been a oh, year. Oh, thank God. Cause you know, yes. I am just not one to no. Oh, that's my, that's my safe space there using that language. <laughs> yes. So for 2020, for you to have experienced Oprah and everything else in your life, and then to now have fulfilled and like, you know, attained some of the goals that you had set more than anything, your intentions, we talk about more. It's like the intentions that you had set that you stepped into that you're still stepping into. And like with such confidence and Sure, this year has been rocky as hell, but you are still so confident in your direction. Yeah. Even if it's scary and new and whatever. But like a lot of people, I think, can benefit from hearing about how did that come to be? 
first maybe hearing a little bit about your backstory. To back up just slightly, when you said I was the friend that you needed to be there at that time. And one thing that I truly believe in is like village and connection. I feel like even though God can lead you and push you in the direction that you're supposed to go, we still need people to rally around us and maybe not even a large group of people because I've learned the hard way that sometimes a larger group is detrimental. But having those specific people or that small community or village that can love you through that journey, because like you said, it's not always, it's guided, but it doesn't mean that it's smooth, right? And so I feel like I was blessed beyond abundance with community throughout my life. And growing up as a child, I had a, a beautiful family. I had the most amazing church group and village that was around me. I, I literally feel like some of these people are like my brothers and sisters that I like grew up with. And so I feel like as a child going into teens, I was very confident. I don't feel like I ever really struggled with confidence at all until I started to get to like my adulthood and then start to kind of like question, like, who am I? Like, what am I doing? Which I feel like is natural, right? Like we should kind of start to transition out of that childhood into adulthood and start to question. I feel like my experience was a little bit more complicated just because while I was kind of going through those, those challenges and those moments, I started to have like medical complications and medical issues. And I remember as even a teen having the worst, worst menstrual cycles ever. I mean, to the point I could not go to school in bed two, three days. I knew that this was not normal, but it was never really discussed. It was just, okay, you have bad cramps. You'll stay home for a day or two. And then you know, each month just kept going and no fault to my parents at all. I really think we just didn't have the education and knowledge of, is this an issue? And it's so interesting because I, not to tell my mother's story, but she started, you know, have issues as well, medically, very similar to mine. And then we never even pieced those two together, but now we sit and talk about it and, and realize, you know, we, we have very similar journeys with our medical complications. But as I got into college, they started to get worse. And then as I, after I graduated, they got even worse to the point where I was like passing out at work or driving home and would have to pull over because I like couldn't navigate the car and being in that much pain. So finally I was like, hey, I should probably go get this checked out, right? I should probably try to figure out what's going on. And so I remember going to OBGYN and they're like, there's nothing we can do. I think I felt like very dismissed. I was young and I actually remember going to my first OBGYN actually in grad school. That's when I went to my first appointment uh, when we were in grad school. And it was a male doctor and it was just like very dismissive. Like I remember him telling me things like eat better not giving me much guidance. And I just kept pushing, like, something's wrong. Like, I I don't know, but something's wrong. So anyway, it was years of that. And then my husband and I got married and we were actually high school sweethearts. So he kind of went along this journey with me. 
And after we got married, it became, we, we instantly knew we wanted to have children right, right away. After going to multiple doctors, we finally had a doctor that kind of took me a little serious and did some scans and a, and a pretty minor surgery. And finally, I got a diagnosis of endometriosis with pretty significant fibroids. And I remember hearing that diagnosis and having no idea what that meant. He was an older white doctor. I remember he was like, you have endometriosis. It's like stage three on its way to stage four, like one of the most severe cases. And I was just like, uh, okay. You know, and having very little information after that or education. And he was just like, that's it. You're probably not going to be able to get pregnant and you're eventually going to need a hysterectomy. I remember him telling me that. And at that point, I was like in my early 20s, I mean, mid 20s. And I was like, what? And just feeling very lost and confused and doing a lot of research, going to a lot of doctors. And it was a tough, tough journey and feeling very like lost. And I feel like instantly at that time is where I started to like fumble and like lose confidence in myself. And I think the catalyst was like, being told that you're not going to be able to have children or to conceive and knowing that that is like one of the things that as a woman that I valued most like and wanted most was just devastating and I know that that is not a core value for all women right and there's there's beautiful women that have beautiful families without conceiving there's women who have no children are the most dynamic and most powerful women that have been part of my life but for me personally, I knew I wanted to be a mother. And so that brought my whole world. It like shattered my, my world. And I, it felt like it took a piece of me away, truly. Like it, it took something away from me. It was years where we went through the process of trying to aid the system and realizing that IVF and all these things were extremely expensive and we could not afford them. I don't think my my family really even knew like how to process like the depression when they started to see it or pain that I was like going through at that time. But I definitely was like diving into depression for sure. And I remember so many people around me being pregnant and just being devastated in their like joy. So as time went on, we finally started the process of trying to conceive with assistance after landing a job and getting amazing insurance and actually having a coworker tell me, hey, I'm trying to conceive too. And this is the doctor I'm using just randomly in a conversation, random, and just gave me the information. And I actually wind up seeking out services with that physician and starting the service, uh, starting the treatment of like getting tubes flushed and getting multiple surgeries of trying to get scar tissue removed. And we were about to start the actual Clomid, like the pill, the medications that you take to try to boost your chances of getting pregnant. And I remember going on a trip and feeling like very sick and tired. And Byron and I on, on the way home from that trip were supposed to start our journey to conceive with the fertility doctors. And I came home and I don't know, you know, again, 
I, I shouldn't say, I don't know. God led me and was like, go take a test. I was like, why would, why would I take a test? At that time, it had been four years. We have been trying to conceive for four years. I randomly go take a test. My sister is super, very superstitious with pregnancy tests. She believes like, if you think you're pregnant, you should get a test from the dollar store. (laughs) (laughs) I remember driving to the 99 cent store getting a pregnancy test. (laughs) Like four days before we're supposed to start fertility. So we conceived naturally by the grace of God. And I know that it was a miracle to us. And so that happened, right? So we have that happened. I suffered a lot in between that time, had multiple surgeries in between that time. And they told me after, you probably won't get pregnant again, though. Like count this as your blessing. Your endo is getting worse. You probably should start considering a hysterectomy very soon. And I remember just like not accepting that. I guess at that point, I just believed in like, God's power. And we, I had another, I was getting very sick again. I had another surgery and then we got pregnant again, like miraculously. And so that was kind of like my journey to conceiving, but throughout that time and going through the the bouts of depression and really having to advocate for myself, I feel like I started to build back my confidence and just knowing myself. When you go through the medical process, I feel like there's a lot of people telling you about you and saying like, this is what is wrong with you. This is what you have. But I think sometimes we forget that we know, you know? And so I started to take more ownership of like who my body, of what my body could do and was capable of. And there has been moments where I've had doctors, you know, like, and disbelief of what I could, you know, do with my body or or the education that I gave them about my journey. So that's kind of like a brief, not very brief, but kind of like how I became a mother and my road to motherhood. Um, My daughters are Genesis and Journey, seven and three. And I really feel like Genesis gave me a new start, a new beginning to who I am as a woman. And I just credit her and that time um, of mother, of trying to become a mother to almost like saving me, like, you know, and, and confirming who Monique is now, but that's kind of my road to how we conceived. Yeah, friend. I mean, it's beautiful miracle of how you just continued to listen to your body, to tune in, to decide and know who to bring into that journey to walk you through it too. And I think for the women who are listening, who are resonating with your story and you being a black woman navigating the health system yeah, yeah, and having a white doctor tell you, oh, it's just maybe allergies, like something just, yeah. <laughs> you know, related to what you're even coming yeah. in. I mean, we're laughing, but it's so sad. It's so- it is. I mean, you've seen it, you've experienced it and other women of color who might resonate too. Yeah. I think one of the, my biggest issues with the the health and medical system is that we don't push hope. Mm. We push a lot of diagnosis. We push a lot of fear, but I think sometimes we, we lose our ability to instill hope in folks. And I know because of the scientific, you know, background of being in the hospital setting, the medical setting, 
is they have to be practical. And I understand that. And they have to be factual and logistic, you know, and, and logical with, with what they're, the information that they're giving women. But I think sometimes that we forget that healing is very connected to our mind and to our ability to believe that things can get better and our spiritual connection to our greater and and bigger power. And I'm like, if we miss that piece, if we don't encourage people to also go to, to that part of them, then we're truly missing a big part of healing. And I think for a lot of women of color, like our faith is big. Our faith is, is, is very important and vital to us. And so I remember telling the doctors, like, no, I'm going to have a baby. Like, you know, I believe God is going to send me a baby. And them not knowing how to respond, <laughs> they're like, okay, good luck with that. <laughs> good luck with, with that. And I just want to encourage women to, like I said, like trust those whispers, but also like trust your gut. Trust your gut. Because I have seen quite often medical professionals just make a very educated guess, but also not put a lot of like heart and passion behind things. And then you leave that doctor's office, you leave that hospital taking that as 100% back. And just know that there's more behind how that decision came to be. So friend, if there's someone who's listening that is trying you know they're on they're trying to get pregnant they're on their journey to conception and they haven't had you know much hope yeah. about their journey or we haven't gotten into it yet too but even postpartum depression like just experiencing yeah. that too just what would be your advice or some some gems to leave with some women who are on their journey to conception or are struggling in some area in their life medically in their body and how can they navigate that right now if they're in that season in their life where they don't know if they're actually going to get pregnant they don't know if that miracle is going to come in the one in the way that they had hoped or wished or prayed about it doesn't always end in in that way and so how can they still find hope even in that yeah and the uncertainty yeah 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 that was that was a big piece for me because it was like how to find peace and um and hope in that uncertainty during those four or five years we were trying to conceive. It it got to the point, and and this is what I tell a lot of friends and clients and patients that I work with, is think about your reason why you want a family and remember that the family or that concept of family that you want may not always come to you the way that you thought it was going to come to you, but it doesn't mean that it's not attainable. So I would never tell a woman who's like first trying to conceive like, oh, you know, you can just adopt, right? Because that is like one of the worst things you can tell somebody who's like still, you know, fighting that fight. But I encourage women to think about the whole spectrum of creating families And the beauty that can be created with families that don't, you know, maybe are not created the way that we thought in our mind would be. And so I have seen some of the most dynamic families that were from fostered from the NICU. I have seen some of the most amazing families from 
patients that have passed away and children that have had to come live with aunts and uncles and just the beautiful love that those families like generate and the life-changing moments that they have. And then those are, you know, displayed onto the world or given to the world. Just know that you can still create a life. You still can create a family and you still can definitely change the world with whatever you thought that concept of family was. But it doesn't mean that it's always going to come the time and the way that you thought that it was going to come. For women who are trying to conceive, just know that you are more than enough just by yourself. Because some women get to the place where they get exhausted and say, I, I just don't want to do this anymore. But start to struggle with that whole mindset of like, who am I if I'm not a mother? Who am I if I, if I can't bear a child? You are you and you're enough. And so I had to even tell myself that like, now as a mother, I've had to tell myself that more and more where I like and love my children to pieces and love being a mother, but I'm not just a mom. And so sometimes we have to like dig deep and go into those other places of ourselves and start to explore those things, even while we're going through that journey to, so that we don't kind of get obsessed in this whole mindset of trying to, to get to this, this goal of motherhood. It just may not be our time and that's okay. But when it is, it will be. That was beautiful. And friend, what about a woman who we talked a little bit off record, you know, some women who have reached out to me who have struggled with postpartum depression and what would be some ways for a woman to navigate postpartum depression if she is struggling with that? I know some things is like people just don't believe you. That was going to say, that's one of the biggest things I see. I see this in the hospital so much with young women, mostly women who are like in their teens or early 20s who come in and not even postpartum and while they're pregnant, it's severely depressed and often told are, you know, that this is nothing or kind of shunned off. I have had doctors and nurses tell women who are mothers of three and four and five children, well, you kind of like signed up for this. So why are you crying now kind of thing? Or that this is just like a few days of sadness. It's just your hormones adjusting. Don't worry. You'll be okay. You know, after a few days, I take postpartum depression very serious because I struggled with postpartum depression for about a year after my second, after my delivery with Journey. And even as a clinician, I was able to identify it pretty quickly. I I knew that I was in a state of depression, but I almost was had a lot of shame around it and didn't want to verbalize what was going on. And so one of my biggest suggestions is to at least have one or two people, right? We go back to connection and village and cohort that you feel that you can be your true self without judgment because that could save your life. I remember, I always tell this story with my little sister. We were four years apart and, you know, but we would pick on each other a lot as siblings. And I wouldn't say we were like the best of friends. We definitely loved each other. So we were sisters, but I'm like very expressive and verbal and social. And she's very quiet and like 
to herself. And we just, you know, didn't have a lot in common growing up. And when I suffered through my depression with Journey, she would drive to my house like an hour away, just knock on the door, hold the baby, never say a word about like, why haven't you showered today? Why you look like you've been crying? Why haven't you done your hair in, in a week? Never. Why is the kitchen a mess? Like, why is the house a mess? Never asked any of that. Never said anything. She would just come take care of the baby for a few hours. And then she would leave. And I think she really, that was like her way of supporting me. And so I would just say, have those people where you can, that can just support you without any judgment. And then don't be afraid to get help. It's okay to get help. A lot of times the women will say, I didn't get help because I thought CPS was going to take my kids away. I didn't want to get help because I didn't want to think I was crazy and get on medication and not be able to breastfeed. I hear that all the time. There are so many options to treatment. All of them do not include medication and almost never is CPS involved. And CPS, just for folks who don't know. Oh, yeah. So child protective services. Yeah. Sometimes mothers think that if they don't have a strong connection with their baby, people are going to think they're being, they're abusing their child or not loving them enough or not bonding. And that someone, a therapist or a nurse is going to call child protective services and try to get their child taken away. And that is usually the last thing in child protective services. Mine is taking the baby away from postpartum mom, unless that baby's being harmed in some way. It really is about getting that woman well. And so if you notice like the signs of you not connecting with your child or being significantly depressed or crying all the time or not having pleasure in things, please tell somebody. It doesn't have to be a Facebook post. It could be one or two people that you really think are going to take your, you know, your symptoms serious and kind of monitor you a bit because you need your village and cohort around that time. You really do. Yeah, I was even going to say just also if you're a friend or a family member, a, a loved one who's had a baby, just proactively ask and show up and be mm-hmm. there for her. Sometimes when you're in that place of pain, it's hard to ask for help. It's hard to even know maybe you're going through something and maybe just yeah. assume already that they need you because they're going through a life change an identity change. They just became a new mom. And just showing up in the ways that you can. I love that you said in the ways that you can, because that's the most important piece. Sometimes husbands ask me every time I have a postpartum mom or wife, what can I do? Like, what, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? And it's always such a hard question to ask or answer because you never know what that woman needs, right? It's like, well, it depends on what she needs at that time. But I always tell people, show up as yourself and don't pretend. Like, if you're not the person that's going to come over and help take care of a baby, then don't come over and try to help take care of my baby because that's going to make me more stressed and anxious, right? If you know that you're kind of like a hands-off person, if you want to just send send a gift or say, I'm thinking of you or write a card, there are so many, you know, I only speak about my sister, but there were so many people that would do those little things. A text message sometimes got me through my entire day Mm. where someone's just like, Hey, I'm just thinking about you. I have friends text me prayers. I've had people 
drop off food at the door. None of these people knew I was depressed. Right. Mm. And so it's like when you feel called or pushed to do, do, Mm. because there's a reason for that. There's, there's a reason. So I always say just organically show up as yourself. And usually that person will give you a sign of some sort to tell you yes or no, this is what I want, or this is not working. Mm-hmm. Right. So just show up, show up. I love that. Yeah. In the ways that you can show up. Yeah. So friend, as we begin to wrap up, these are, you know, your lived experiences, ways that you've seen, you know, in your field, other women in the navigating the medical system, the health system. And yet through all those experiences, you, you're like in this knowing in this place Mm -hmm. of like a season in your life, your inner compass is there. It's present. You have this direction and you've had it along the way with all these experiences, but how would you define how you know it, how you tune into it for anyone who's listening? They're like, I don't know. I get this a lot. I don't know how to trust my gut. How do I know how to listen to me. You know, we hear that all the time. Just follow your intuition, listen to your gut. Yeah, you know the way. And then like, I, I have clients who are like, I can't trust my intuition. I don't know how to tap into that. What does that sound like? What does that look like? So yeah. how, how would you define that for someone who, a woman who's like, I don't know what they're talking about. How do you tap into yeah. your intuition? How yeah. do you know that, that, that yes, how do you, how do you decipher yeah. the two between like it being depression, anxiety, and then like your inner knowing? Mm. Mm. I think first and foremost, I speak from, like I said, the expert of myself, right? So I will give examples of how I came to get to that space. I'm not saying that these are the only ways to get to that space, but this is how I got to those spaces. So like I said in the beginning, first and foremost, I have moments of stillness and quietness almost on a daily basis. I do have two children. It does not happen every day, right? But I try to have these moments where I can just be still. And I think the the value in the stillness and the quietness is for me because that is my time where I communicate with God, right? These moments of stillness is when I connect with God. And for me, that's where I find a lot of my guidance. So that doesn't, sometimes people say, what does that look like? It doesn't have to look like you, like in this position of like Zen, right? Or like chimes or stage burning, even though I do enjoy those things. (laughs) (laughs) Ask my family, I stay in my house once a week. But anyway, it doesn't have to look like that, right? There's moments where I'm like driving and I know I'm going for a long drive and it's quiet and I'll just turn my radio off and I'll just like talk to God out loud, literally just out loud. And so I just ask too for guidance for and, and direction on who I am. Like, is this the decision I should be making? I also, like I said, have a very, very small, extremely small village around me that I identify as mentors. And those are people who I truly believe know me very well and know that knowing me means they don't know me, right? Like having that wisdom. And I tap into them quite often to kind of 
bounce ideas off of and also come when I feel at my shakiest. And so I feel like that has also like led me closer to kind of identifying like the things that make up who I am, the, the things that, um, that I love the most. And they teach me more to like not be apologetic about them. I think I love them because they don't give me the answers. They give me the courage to just continue to be myself. I listen and I watch myself. I watch my facial expressions. I watch if I'm anxious in a room. I really listen to my feelings and thoughts when I'm doing something. And if it's bringing me joy and peace and happiness, I note those things down. And I say like, these are things I should continue doing. And when I show up in a space, I'm around a person or in a room with someone and I instantly get a headache or instantly my jaw clenches or I get anxious when I see that text message from that person, I know that maybe I need to limit my time with them. And so just paying attention to your body's triggers of who and what and where you are and how your body is responding will also get you closer to knowing, um, I think your true self, because it'll show you like, hey, I, I organically don't need to be in this space and I need to go or I need to continue to be there. And I would say lastly, falling in love with yourself first and truly falling in love with yourself. Like I've got to the point I can make myself laugh. I can go have lunch by myself. You know, just like I once told someone that was on in the process of like trying to find a significant other and dating And they were saying how it was so hard to find someone that they connected with. And I asked them, do you connect with yourself? Are you the person that you wish showed up to that person? And if not, then date yourself, get to know yourself. Like, and I think we change, right? We change every so often, every few years. And it's like, take that time to, to re um, introduce yourself to yourself. And that's okay. It's okay to fail. It's okay to stumble. It's okay to like lose a little bit of confidence. That doesn't mean that you don't know who you are. It just means that you're in a transition in your life. And that's fine. I think we have to have a lot more grace and um, with ourselves and just realize that it doesn't have to look perfect, but we have to know at least our boundaries and our, our true selves at our core. So yeah, date yourself get a very strong cohort of people that you trust around you, find something bigger than you that you believe in that can give you guidance and, you know, and just give yourself grace, give yourself grace. So I have gotten now to the point where I trust my intuition. And even if it gets me to moments where I'm like, gosh, um, it doesn't mean that it's, that I'm not afraid while I'm doing it. It's just like, I, I, have done all those steps and love myself enough to know that when I make that decision, I'm going to rest easy in it, even if it leads me into a place where I may not want it to go. Love that. It reminds me of an um, analogy I just recently heard. And you know me, I, I love, I live on quotes and analogies, but about what experience you're having and we're mirrors for each other. Right. Yeah. And so like just being able to like tune into what you said, like you're, you surround yourself with certain mentors that don't give you the advice, but they encourage your courage yes. and yeah. reflect back 
uh, remind you who you are, or who you can become yeah. despite the season of turmoil or pain. And then the analogy that I recently heard was about, you know, we've all heard like the butterfly, you know, emerge from the cocoon, right? And it yeah. was the analogy of the caterpillars in the cocoon and it's struggling. And this little boy, this little kid walks over and he, he sees the caterpillar struggling, wanting to get out of the cocoon. And in order to want to help it, save mm-hmm. it, because it's struggling and it sees it's in pain, it cracks open the shell to help it come out, mm-hmm. ends up killing it. Right. And instead, didn't allow the, the caterpillar to go through its suffering, its challenge, its season of whatever it needed to be to sit in that pain to then transform it to turn into this luscious, beautiful butterfly. Right. And right. so I think even in the season of like when we see us, each other going through stuff, how you can be there for someone without needing to right. feel like something's wrong with them or that, that you have to fix them or you have to fix yourself or something's wrong with you, but rather this perspective shift of like, I'm in this season of suffering or this transformation. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. It's like, I'm, I'm sitting in this pain. What is this pain teaching me? What is the lesson? What? Sometimes I don't even want to know the lesson. I just need to sit and cry. And I just right. need to be like in this wrapped up cocoon for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Feeling yeah. my feelings. And yeah, trusting and like, the process to transform into wherever I know it's, it's going to lead me next. It's like this inner knowing that's exactly. always there. And I think sometimes we, you know, we hear this all the time. Like we have these tests to have a testimony, right? And so it's trust the process. I encourage people, trust the process, trust this journey of getting to know yourself and becoming the expert of yourself. There's, you know, I've told you this before, and I recently told a friend this too. There was so many, there's so many days that I still am like, why am I showing up for this or that, right? Um, and I've had people like, don't go to that job anymore, or don't stop trying. You're just getting yourself more depressed. People have told me that when I was trying to conceive. And there's so many days I just didn't know why, like why I was showing up or why I give people second chances. And then I see it once I get over that hump or through that metamorphosis or through that journey. And it is more invaluable than I could have ever imagined. It's like helped me grow into this new being and this new person. And without that suffrage, like you said, there's no way I would have even been prepared for what was to come or even set myself up for that. And so, you know, you are one of those people in those in my very small cohort that has always encouraged and pushed me. And for years, I have fought and fought and fought the God's calling in a whisper. Now he's yelling and kicking me (laughs) (laughs) to really like jump into this realm of like private practice and focusing on women of color and that are going through this, you know, journey of motherhood and women that have lost children. And I have so much peace now. There's just so much peace, but I would not have been able to do that if I didn't suffer and really toil over um, a lot of issues that I was going through and, and have clients on top of clients in the hospital begging for black therapists or women of color therapists are telling me, you know, um, my doctor's not taking me serious. I'm really depressed. I need help. Women waiting two months that 
want to harm themselves after having a baby. And so I feel like having those tough cases and having to have those tough conversations just pushed me further into knowing where I should be and where I should be going. And so I agree, don't, don't rush through those moments. Those are the moments that are going to transform you into becoming the expert of yourself. Yeah. And not to brush anybody else. Love you so much, friend, for being here and showing up and sharing your journey and really reflecting back to me who I am too. Like, and you do that with people in your life that you, there's something in them that you admire and there's something in them that you, you see that they might not see and you just speak on it in the right moment. And you've done that for me many multiple times. And I'm so appreciative that you spent some time with us today to come on the podcast and just admire you, respect you. I'm so excited for your continued journey and all the gems that you shared with us today. Thank you for being you, authentically you, courageously you, brave you, beautiful you, (laughs) all the amazing things that you do and are and the whole you showing up today. And what's one last thing that's on your heart, that's on your spirit, that we have not talked about, you haven't shared that you'd want to leave the women listening with? I think when we are going through these pretty significant journeys, if it's to motherhood, if it's learning to know who we are, if it's taking that job or starting that business, whatever, sometimes a lot of reasons we don't set foot on that path is because of fear of failure. And that fear will stunt every opportunity of growth in the direction that we're trying to move forward in. And I had a great friend by the name of Adit recently tell me, and if you fail, and? And so I encourage every single person out there that is on this journey of self-discovery and whatever capacity that is to know that failure is not the end point. Sometimes failure is the beginning. And so I just encourage you all to like take that step out on faith and, and surround yourself with people who will love you through that process. Mm. Say yes to the call to Minnesota and just show up. <laughs> just say we, yes. <laughs> just say yes. Whenever your friend or be that friend or Say yes to that friend, whatever you are, friendships and that tribe, that army of love that we had heard at Oprah, that army of love really matters. And just having people to continue to pour into you as you're pouring into them too. It just, it makes a difference. Yeah. Iron sharpens iron. That is for sure. Oh, for sure. Thank you so much, Mo, for being here. I call you you Mo, but mm, please (laughs) trying to be official. Um, Where can people find you? Where can they connect with you? So I am in the infancy of building out my practice. I'm so excited and scared at the same time. See, I I too am still afraid. (laughs) But um, hopefully you can share the link on there for me. And so my practice will be called Journey to Genesis. As you guys know, those are my baby's names. But also I believe that Um, I really just want to inspire women to start their path to their new beginning, specifically targeting women of color that are kind of going through their journeys 
through motherhood from trying to conceive all the way to fetal demise. So um, you can find me there. And then I'll also share my new Instagram tag with you too. So you'll be able to find me on there too. So reach out, share stories, let me know if you need um, guidance or advice. I've already had people kind of reaching out to me and asking like, hey, when should I get a social worker involved? When should I, you know, get a patient advocate involved? And so those are all things that I can help steer and guide you in as well. So you can find me on those pages. And I'll leave them in the show notes for folks to easily find and click. Thank you so much for being here and being you. you in the world. Thank you for tuning in. Anyone listening, we appreciate you for being here with us. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Adit. Love you. Love you. Thank you all so much for taking the time to listen to this episode. And if you found value in this episode or any of my episodes, I would love if you could just take a moment to going over and hitting subscribe to the podcast and leaving a review. This really helps the show rank and be found and searchable and, you know, the, the podcast industry and be able to reach more women and reach uh, being able to really just make healing accessible, empowering and fun. And I just want to make healing go viral. Like that's just so important to me and making it accessible. And I'm not for everybody, but for the women who do find me, I do hear from you that I have an effect and an impact in your life on your healing journey in some small way. And that's all that I care about. So if I can reach you, that subscribe and review goes a long way. So thank you for taking time to do that as well for me. If you have any desire to continue the journey on your healing journey with me, I offer a few services. So let me lay those out real quick for you. I offer one-on-one services, one-on-one therapeutic life coaching services. Send me a DM or an email and you can go ahead and set up a free 15-minute consultation with me and we can see if I'm a right match and fit for you. And if we're, we're gonna be able to do great work together, then we'll, we'll go forward with that. If not, I have referrals and that's okay too. I'm not for everybody, but I'd love to connect with you if you think that there's something I can help you with. Even having one breakthrough session, I've had clients come back and have one breakthrough session and it's been transformational for them. So. We can map out your healing together. Just go to my website, edictc.com, E-I-D-I-T-C.com for more and to schedule and connect with me there. I also offer two healing retreats that are coming up in 2021. If all things are safe for travel, uh, we will be heading over to Bali. There's one spot left in May and there's seven women going and we're looking for our eighth woman to join us. And in Spain, we're heading over to San Sebastian in October. If that's something that you're searching for and longing for to travel with purpose, then Spain or Bali is your your thing. You gotta you gotta hit me up and submit an application as the first step. I'll reach out to you within 24 hours and we'll go from there. Go to aditc.com for more information. Thank you.